On today's podcast, Jeffrey Mangus, accomplished ghostwriter, advocate, musician, and author of Amp Possible, real-world solutions for amputees to accomplish the impossible. Jeffrey is the CEO of Ghostwriting USA and author of 19 self-help memoir and autobiographical books. Jeffrey is a below-the-knee amputee and proves that life after amputation is limitless. It is our pleasure to introduce Jeffrey Mangus. Hey, Jeff. Good to see you. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, sir? My man, finally we get to see each other. I know we've been struggling a bit to connect and have been going back and forth a little bit with email and such, but here we are, finally. I see the cover of your book behind you there. Impossible. That's the good stuff right there. Um, (laughs) Getting into you as a writer, I've done quite a bit of research on you, your background your journey as an author and obviously your your ghostwriting endeavors as well which all fascinate me considering you one of those high functioning professional amputees let's call it and did when i guess the first question i have with you is when did you find writing when did you realize that that was something that you wanted to do was this in your childhood or was this later in life? It actually what started, you know, as a child, as I, you know, come up through as a teenager, I've always been a writer. Um, you know, it was always something that I did. I didn't, I never in, intended on being a professional writer, you know, th- my entire life, but I've always, I've always enjoyed it. I've always done it privately, done things. Um, and then when I was, in my thirties, I got into, um, uh, writing books, writing stuff for children. And I ended up publishing seven different, uh, magazine articles for children. And, um, it, you know, it was just, you know, again, never any dreams of being a professional writer, just you know, something I enjoyed as a hobby. Was there anyone that fostered that particular passion when you were young? Was there a teacher, a parent, someone that yes. said, you know, Hey Jeff, you're good at this. Actually, there was. I had a wonderful teacher. Her name was Mrs. Spencer, and uh, it was in sixth grade. And I was a, always an avid reader. Reading came easy for me. I'm still. I, I read probably four or five books at a time, uh, telling on myself. But that reading turned into writing, and she fostered that. She really you know, inspired me to 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 keep doing that because she th- she thought I was you know being young. I mean, it is what it is, but. But she definitely. What would you say for a young writer that's listening right now? What would you say to a young writer in terms of the biggest challenge that someone might face that is sort of finding their footing in writing and has dreams of, let's say, becoming an author, publishing a book? What would you say are some of those bigger challenges? The biggest challenge that I find is fear fear of, what other people are going to say, what what other people are going to think, um, fear of, um, you know, not being able to do it, you know, per se, I have an idea in my head, but not being able to do it. And that's where the ghostwriting play about that later. But my advice to anybody out there aspiring to be a writer, to write a book, 
whatever it is. Uh, I tell authors that nothing is published until you are you are finished. In other words, you have control. No one's going to see it until it's completely done. So you can rest in that and relax in that and just just tell your story, get past the fear and just just put words on the page. You can fix them later. It's, you know, just get them on the page, get it out there and then you can then you can start molding the I didn't have um I didn't have a lot of real knowledge about ghostwriting until mm-hmm. I actually started researching you and your story because it would seem that ghostwriting is very much a part of what you do uh professionally and yes this is a I find this to be a pretty unique form of engagement let's say with yeah. an with uh someone who is trying to get their story out and so much of what you do seems to cross a lot of different areas in terms of content. So making the transition from being a writer, being an author to suddenly saying, well, I I think ghostwriting might be, you know, a good sort of channel for me. Mm -hmm. How How did that come about? And can you explain further for people that don't understand the industry, what is ghostwriting? Sure. Well, all this came about, this is exactly why we're here. Um, again, my entire life, always been a writer, just, you know, done. I, I used to own two real estate companies. I was a real estate broker for many years. And I, of course, I, re- I wrote all of the marketing material myself, you know, really got myself into the business mode as far as writing. But when I lost my left leg below the knee, the experience that I experienced was not your normal one. Um, the, the the treatment uh, that I received was not up to par. Uh, I, I received no physical physical training whatsoever. Uh, I was in the bed for you know literally you know with my leg you know amputated for a, a month, and no one got me out of the bed. No one worked. So with no, me. No, one worked. no PT. No no PT zero. No OT. No PT. None. And and Zero. if you don't, I'm not trying to slow down your momentum, but no, it's okay. What circumstance were you dealing with that didn't provide you with that kind of care? Um, that's that's a good question. I don't understand what what was going on. I mean, I was in a good facility. I just don't think. Um, I think things were missed, and my wife is experiencing was experiencing it with me, and in her defense, you know, she didn't know what to do, how to help me. I didn't know how to help myself. So the immediate thing though, but when I was, this is, you know, kind of going on a, you know, a spiritual end because when I lost my leg and I had all of this time, I couldn't move, you know, I couldn't move out of the bed. No one was getting, you know, so everything I was doing was on my own. So I was learning to do things on my own and I, I really had time to soul search and you hear that a lot, but I, I sincerely sat there and, and, reflected and did a self self assessment on what is it that Jeffrey what is it that you wanted to do what is it that you want to do with the rest of your life you can't sell real estate anymore you i mean things were things shut down everything was stopped and the immediate thought was writing writing being a writer a professional writer i mean and and did i know how to do that no i did not but the own the way i attacked it 
is I started writing the book as I laid there healing. I started writing the book. And my first book was called Limb Lost Life. That was the first book. And it was on my own. I published it on my own. And was it good? I thought so at the time, but honestly, it probably it was my first stab at writing a book. So it wasn't great, right? I admit that. But I had to get that story out. I had to, yeah. it was like, um, you know, I had to journal it. I had to get those feelings and it helped me deal with the anxiety and the grief and the depression and the, and the confusion that I was going through. And, and so it was the writing that that was really the healing part of what I was going through. And so when all of this happened, after I wrote the book, the book started selling pretty well. And then a friend of mine approached me, a really great friend of mine, who's a really, you know, world renowned entity in, in the, in the open innovation industry. And uh, he approached me and said, would you ghost write a book for me? And I had honestly never heard, I knew what ghostwriting was, but I never, and, and was, I was nervous. And I said, but I said, yes, I would love to do that. So we wrote a book proposal and, you know, we sold the book to Harper Collins right out of the gate. And this is the reason I said that it's not a brag. It's to, I went from losing a limb to being devastated to, to, I uh, progressed from one book to next thing I know, I'm ghostwriting a book for someone. And it started a whole new career, a whole new trajectory. I would think in a lot of, I would think in a lot of respects, the fact that this new career path was forged from your amputation. Yes. That I would think in some ways it would probably lend to your thinking, well, this is all making sense now. Yes. This is all kind of falling into place. This is making me feel as if this is what was intended all along. Do you do you think that writing for for let's say some of us that don't visit writing that often, you know, mm-hmm. I I do enjoy journaling myself. And it sounds like your first book was somewhat of a personal journal, so it to was. speak. Yes. And do you feel like that would be something that amputees, new amputees could benefit from in terms of their own personal therapy and self-care? That is a great question. And I absolutely give a resounding yes. I, you know, whether you're a writer or not, the thing about it is if you're an amputee and you're going through that experience, the act of journaling your thoughts without the fear of worrying about no one ever seeing it. You know, don't worry about grammar and typos. It's a matter of just getting it out. And, and honestly, um, I don't think I could have healed as fast as I did mentally, emotionally, and physically without doing that. And I encourage anyone out there who, who hasn't tried it, write your thoughts down. Be honest, be open, transparent. What are you feeling? How are you feeling? Are you hurting? What's, what's hurting you? Is it the physical pain? Is it the emotional pain? Is it the loss? Is it, I mean, it's, and it's okay to allow yourself to open up that way on page, you know, and it's cheap. You can get a pencil, a yeah. pen and a, and a notebook and, and do it. It's, there's no, there's no inventory. There's I no think cost. you're right because so often there's just such a massive spectrum of feelings that we go through when we lose a limb. And there, I think 
to most of the people in my personal orbit, they always saw it as more of a physical thing to deal with. That's right. Like, oh, how are you going to walk? How are you going to work? How are you going to do all the things that you love doing? And very little gets said about the emotional component. And I felt that the emotional pieces were much harder to overcome. Because donning a prosthesis, learning how to walk again, uh, you know, I'm a musician like yourself, I'm a drummer, so, you know, playing drums again, doing, you know, riding a bike, what, what have you, anything that was physical could be built on. It could be slowly put back together. Right. And in a very methodical way, I could get back to doing all the things that I loved. But sometimes I I feel like the emotional part, it in a lot of ways, it never really leaves you. Because I've heard you talk about, you know, that daily reminder. This was something that resonated with me about you and your wisdom was the daily reminder. When I look down, I have that daily reminder. I have that daily reminder that something very, very difficult has been placed in my life's path. And Thank you. I, I, I really got a lot out of that perspective, and I appreciated that. You're very welcome. Thank you. You know, when you said that, and to put your, your to expose yourself through your first book, and then your, your, you know, impossible. The, these writings are critical and obviously served as a form of therapy for yourself. But in that you can share that and give that to people is, is extraordinary. And, you. you know, you're the kind of person that when you see an amputee, you're the first one to say, hey, I want to give something to you. I want to bestow something and give something to you, share this. And there's uh, uh, certainly some grace in that, which I, I very much appreciate that you bring to the community. I know you had mentioned a story about someone that you met just last night. Why don't you tell me that again? Yes, just last night. I you know, normally have a you know, copy of the book uh near me or close to me. And I had one in the car <laughs> and, uh, I usually have one here as well, but I've had that one copy. And, uh, last night my wife and I went to uh, Cracker Barrel. We went to eat and just, I, I walked into the gift area. It was a gift shop area. And, uh, we were, we'd already paid for the meal and I was there just waiting on her. And this, this gentleman just rolled up in a wheelchair, just out of nowhere. And he had just lost his left leg. He was still bandaged up. His wife was pushing him, and he just asked me flat out. He didn't ask me my name. Didn't he's all he said was he goes how how did you how did you do with your prosthetic? How did you did you walk? And of course, me that I've always been a person that I'm always I love to help people. I've always been that kind of person. And immediately, I just you know started talking to him and, and explaining to him things, and and he was really you know deeply curious, you know, and I could see their concern in their eyes, especially his, especially his wife. I could tell that she was actually, because she was confused too. And 
so my wife came up and we started talking and I, I told, I, I told him, I said, just, just wait right here. And I, I went and got the book and brought the book back inside and I gave it. And he said, you don't want any money for it. I said, no, I don't want money for it. I want you to take the book. And I said, I, I hope and pray you get something. And I said, it's not a book you crawl up by the fire with. It's the kind of book that's going, I, I hope you can find something to help you get through this journey. And that's exactly what I said, quote unquote. Because it is a journey. No oh, matter yeah. what type of limb you lose, it's a journey. Well, and and Impossible, which is a phenomenal book, which is available on Amazon. There's, We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about how people can get their hands on it. Um, this is a how-to manual. This is a way to navigate becoming an amputee, uh, thriving in this space, moving through the difficult feelings, because we have to recognize that so much of being an amputee, it's not just about us. It's about everyone around us. That's right. And trying to put ourselves in a place, you know, an empathetic place or looking through the lens of other people and allowing ourselves to focus away, let's say, just from our own needs, but also the needs of family and especially uh, especially a spouse. Um, would you say that your family played a critical role in your rehabilitation and getting to these plateaus that you're at now? That is, I'm so glad you asked the question, Rick, because I will say this, and I've said it multiple times, and maybe you've seen it. My my wife was the catalyst for all of it, because again, I was looking at myself, of course, being helpless and and healing, but I was watching her, and she, you know, she stepped into a world she didn't know anything about, and ne- I mean, neither did I. I, you know, we we were both walking into the dark. And I, and I see that as us going into this, you know, this dark area of our lives, not knowing what we're doing, you know, just searching for, you know, answers. But that's why I wanted to write the book too, especially Impossible. Impossible was um, my way of, of not only, you know, because I saw the struggle that my wife went through. I mean, and I couldn't help it. I did everything I could to help her. And it was, Watching her struggle, getting me in and out of the car, getting me to the doctors, it 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 gave me strength to say, "You got to get yourself going. You got to help her." And um, so that's part of the book as well. I had to make, I had to get clear on how I how I could help someone else experiencing that. How can I help that spouse, that person, the partner, the friend? the family, how can I help them as well as help the amputee? So that was the direction of the book when I met with the publisher. I said, I want to hit two people. I want to hit the amputee and I want to definitely target the people helping the amputee. Yeah. Because they are a lot of people that are, you know, family, spouses, they're not talked about. They're they're kind of just on the side. And you know, it's always the focus on the amputee. Do you do you feel uh in that in that particular scenario, do you feel like that kind of caregiving, it's, I've always felt a sense of responsibility in that if someone is there for me and they bring something 
to me in, in, in ways of support and love and, and patience that it, it becomes my responsibility to not only reciprocate, right, and, and right. sort of return that energy, but also as a person to do my very best to become my best self. And very often when I think about, you know, my personal, let's call them cheerleaders in my life, that yes. are all kind of like lining the sidelines of my life, <laughs> right? right? And I'm on the playing field and they're all, you know, with their That's arms great... raised and going, go, yeah. go, go, go. I always feel like, well, shit, man, I got to score a touchdown. You know, That's right. it's on exactly. me. It's on yeah. me. These people exactly. are counting on me to do well. They're making an That's investment right. in me. So when I pursue things in my own life, very often I am motivated by the people who love me. I am motivated yes. by the people who have shown an interest in my personal development. And I agree with you in the, in the sense of wanting to give something back to the community because we, you, I think this journey, we realize that we're part of something a lot bigger. Right. The amputee community, I think you would agree with me and you're living proof just based on your story about, you know, not even being provided proper rehabilitation services. We're very underserved as a community. That's right. There's a lot of amputees that slip through the cracks, fall in a hole, and they're yet to ever come out of that place, that very, very dark place. That's whether, exactly right. Yeah, whether that's deficiencies in, you know, insurance coverages or deficiencies in finding the right uh, prosthetist, yeah. getting the right technology for your particular residual limb. All of those things that we realize as amputees very early in the process, there's that uh-oh kind of moment of, oh man, this isn't easy. Like no one is going to help me through this. That's right. And now I got to yeah. navigate this vast amount of terrain that I, it's unrecognizable to me. There is no part of this experience that feels familiar to me at all. That's exactly right. I am exactly completely right. in the dark right now. I am <laughs> I am that guy who's feeling the walls, lights are out, and I'm trying to feel my way down a hallway. That's and I right. have no idea if the, the floor is going to drop out from under me. I, I have no clue. It's kind, right. it's, it's kind of like the first time you fall down as an amputee. Oh, yeah. And scary. You, and you think, oh, yeah, that leg's not there anymore. <laughs> Boy, does well, you, you know that happened to me. I fell out of the bed. I, I, I you know, one point I woke up, and this is you know, a personal story. I woke up, and I even talk about it in the book. I, I it's in there. Uh, talk about uh, I forgot that I didn't have a leg, and I had to use the bathroom, and I just swung out. Yep, swung out of the bed like normal, and the 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 momentum from the one weighted leg to the other leg not there, it, it toppled me, and I landed straight on my stump. Yep, and it was a start. It startled me. Like, oh my gosh, you know. Scary. I've had to, I've had a similar experience, and and then I couldn't wear my prosthesis for a couple of days because I was yep. tender and sore, and 
And, you know, those are the, those are the sort of snap into reality yes. kind of moments yes. that we experience, exactly. you know, with your, with your marriage, it sounds like exactly. you, you have a tremendous bond in your marriage. We do. And, we do. you know, uh, it, it sounds to me like for you in particular, your, your marriage very much survived the, yes. um, the amputation and you've learned as a couple how to navigate, you know, that situation. So I, I admire you in that regard. I know, um, you know, there's many amputees out there that don't, don't make it in terms of their relationships. That's right. And for someone that's, that has had a positive experience, and we all know that the everyday isn't always peaches and cream. There's always some struggle, but right. I, I, I'd want to give you a moment to sort of give your own brand of wisdom to couples out there that are, you know, like this couple you met last night. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, what would you say to, to, you know, to, to two people, two spouses that are just embarking on this journey right now? My advice Um, and from my experience, uh, what worked for me, um, of course everyone's different, but what, what, what worked for me was, was being completely honest and open about what I was feeling. And that, again, that goes back to the journaling. I was, you know, when you start doing this and writing, you start unpacking feelings you didn't know, but being open honest and communicated with my wife, you know, and not complaining. It's, there's a difference between being crabby and all that stuff, but actually talking and saying, honey, I don't understand how I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to go to the restroom. Can you help me? Um, I don't know how to get a drink of water right now. Cause I can't move. Can you help me? And then also, you know, events where we just sat down and I said, I'm hurting right now. I'm, I'm very depressed. I don't know how to, you know, handle it. I just want you to know it's not you. And the same thing with the spouse. I want this, anyone out there, a partner, friend, family, spouse to know that, you know, open up to the amputee, tell them your feeling, tell them how you're, you know, that you're confused. You don't understand. And that, you know, it's about being understanding with each other and open. And I keep saying that, but it's just absolute fact. Without communicating, if you don't communicate your feelings, we, you know, either to your spouse or through through journaling, whatever. But if you can't communicate them, they're going to be bottled up, and that bottled up keeps keeps building. And telling on myself, and again, it's in the book. Um, there was a moment where all of the grief and all of the anxiety, everything I was, I, I experienced came to a head. And there was a, there was a moment where I lost, I, I blacked out. I just, you know, and my wife said that I was saying things that about my family that she never knew that it was all, this just came, all of this just poured out. But then she realized, she said, I didn't realize that you had all this hurt in you. Not, you know, you know, yeah, the amputation was a hurt thing, but it was like, there was other things going on, but it all came out and I don't remember it, but she said it helped her. Don't, I, she said it helped her understand me. 
Sure. And sure. I'm glad that moment happened, even though I'm glad it, you know, it didn't anything like that. But, but yeah, that, my advice is to under to be. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel confused. It's okay to feel. And I'm talking really to the spouse and the amputee. It's okay to feel these things. Allow yourself. Give yourself permission, and let the world go past you. Just catch up with yourself. Well, I think the, the giving permission piece is the the critical. That's my takeaway: is giving yes. each other permission to feel and feel. to express, right, and to voice and question. Because so much of being an amputee, there's there's so many unknowns, and you know you so were talking many. you were talking about falling out of the bed, and you know most amputees don't realize how hard it is just to navigate in bed when you have limb loss. That's exactly right. Lower uh, extremity you know, loss, you don't realize the counterbalance that your your limb creates, and even sometimes getting up or getting out of bed becomes a chore because That's you've right. lost that sort of counterbalance that your body and your brain is hardwired for to That's get right. up out of bed. That's exactly right. And I you mean, find yourself I, twisting and turning and doing all these yeah. weird, you know, all these weird movements to, to, get there, yeah. Right, yeah. to get, to get yourself square again. Um, but I really, I do appreciate those words because I know there are a lot of couples that reach out to me that are struggling in that situation. You know, understanding what is life going to look like? What's our activity level going to look like? What's Absolutely. our intimacy going to look like? What is all of these things that we enjoyed, we enjoyed before this amputation? What does, what is this going to look like? And can we, are we strong enough to survive this? And I, I, I really think that those, those words um, go a long way for that particular scenario. I want to talk to you uh, about something you're no stranger to. I want to talk about diabetes. Um, yes. You know, diabetes is a, uh, it's a, it's an epidemic in our country. It's, it it's something is. that can cause all kinds of, of, damage and, uh, you know, circulatory issues and healing issues and all kinds of things that can destroy vision and organs yes. and obviously can lead to situations like yourself. I was reading about you and you've been strong enough and, you know, I see someone who is willing to be transparent enough and and certainly again i see it as a sign of strength to to recall what your life was like before amputation which you're this highly successful guy in real estate you know working very hard playing very hard i'm sure and doing what people do in this country which is to overachieve to do as much as you can and to be a great earner and in that mix someone wasn't paying attention to their body and you ended up in a, a tricky situation where you had developed a, uh, you know, like many amputees that are diabetic, you had developed a, you know, a sore that wouldn't heal. You went through wound care, you went through a number of different things. Uh, 
what would be looking back on that now and certainly looking at your life as it is today you're a very accomplished guy and you've somehow figured out how to navigate all of this and you know don't take this the wrong way but people like yourself make make it look easy right yeah um looking back at that time in your life i'm sure blood sugar's out of control stuff like that what would be the advice you would give to someone let's say who is on that diabetic journey right now and you know what 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 kind of advice what kind of wisdom could you provide to give them some perspective that is such a great question um cuz diabetes still is the number one thing that i deal with every single day above and beyond my my limb loss um my advice to anyone listening that is does have diabetes is today this minute start paying attention start taking when i say the words taking care of yourself sounds kind of broad i mean genuinely take yourself as the number one person you got to take care of because if you have a family you have you know children it is your responsibility to take care of yourself i did not do that I, I did go to doctors. Did I pay attention to them? In being fully transparent, no. I just went on with my life, ate, ate the food, ate the burgers, ate whatever I wanted. And eventually it got me. Because, uh, yeah, because my leg loss, my limb loss started with me um, with due to neuropathy, losing my left uh, left toe and part of my left foot. And that's what started the chain of events that, that where I could not get that healed and it got, it got, you know, worse and, and then septic and I, I can go on about that, but that started the chain events, but that losing my toe and part of my left foot started the, my diabetic journey in taking care of myself. And I maintain that every single day. And my blood sugars now are doing wonderful, absolutely wonderful because I watch what I eat. I take myself seriously and take my, Diabetes is a disease. You have to take you have to take it serious. If you do not take it serious, you will end up with circ- circulatory issues, neuropathy, amputation, or un- unfortunately death. Yeah, and it's just it, it it's just something that has to be taken serious. And you can't you can't put it off to the side. You can't forget about it. You have to have it fully in front of you at all times. Because once you are a diabetic. You are always a diabetic, so you're going to have to deal with the rest of your life. And my advice is to take yourself seriously and take the disease. Well, those does, yeah, I mean, that goes a long way. I I think people need to hear those words and to really, really try to make an effort. I always say to love themselves. That's great. You're worth it. You know, love yourself. Take care of yourself. Don't see because you have responsibility to your to the people around you to to be alive as long as you can. You know it's your responsibility, and without doing that, it's it's like a it's it's a slow, miserable thing. Yeah, don't 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 see that kind of uh, that kind of self care as a chore. Right, it's not a chore. It's It's not a a chore. It's 
it's it's just you're 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 loving yourself. You're taking care of yourself. Think about absolutely. Think about yourself when your mother saw you as very vulnerable and you mm-hmm. were just a baby and your mother held you and analogy. took care of you and nurtured you and and did all those yeah. things to make you feel safe. Sometimes we have to do that for ourselves. We have to say, "Hey, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure that you're well and you can enjoy right. your life and yes. you can do the things that you want to do." Um, you know, I I think that uh so often anything medical and I'm always surprised by this cuz I you know, I, I have plenty of family and friends that'll openly admit, like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really think about that stuff. I don't either. I don't go to the doctor, or, right. You know, I have coworkers that'll say, "Oh, I, I haven't been in the doctor in eight years," and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh," <laughs> I'm like, "Not even a physical?" And no, <laughs> don't need to go. I feel fine. I'm like, you know, we all feel fine until we don't, and usually okay. when we don't. Uh, that could have been prevented, right. and something could have been done, in to slow down or even prevent that particular chain of events. You know, that's exactly. Um, you know, getting back to impossible. What is what would you say is the best way for us to get our hands on your book? Uh, it is on Amazon, of course, um, and it is available in hardback. Uh, it is available in, on Audible and Kindle, and um, and also on CD. Uh, anyone, it's uh, still they still they're still producing it on CD as well. Um, it uh, it is at uh, Roman and Littlefield, my publisher. It's on their website, and it is um, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble, everything online. It is out there. Okay, um, just so not hard to find. <laughs> it's it's not it's not hard to find. Yes, that is amp possible. And what does, you know, given your writing and your passion for this community, and I look at someone like yourself and I'm inspired because I see what you've done and how you. you how you've taken something that can be, I mean, by many considered to be sort of life crushing, life ending, and you found a new a new career from it. You've become very much an advocate in this space. I mean, what do you see as a successful amputee lifestyle? Um, that's a great question. What I see as a, as a successful amputee lifestyle is keeping yourself open to possibilities. Um, you know, if you can still do your job that you love to do, that's great. But if you're at a, in a position where I was, where I could no longer do the, the physical job that I was going to do, I had to look elsewhere. I had to figure out what I wanted in life. And that's what I advise you to do as well. Go back to the, to the drawing board, self-assess. What is it you ask yourself? What is it you truly want to do and pursue it? Go after it. Uh, if you don't know how to go after it, there's so many ways now to, to find way to learn things and books that you can, you know, study, but the only excuse is no, there's no excuse. I mean, you got to get yourself going and moving in a positive direction, no matter how you do it. And everyone's situation is different. I get it. There's so many people that are in some really bad situations, don't have the funds to do things, this and that. And, but again, if you're going to do something bad enough, you can find ways. 
That, what, how do you feel audio. about what's your take on uh, social media at the moment when it comes to amputees? I, of course, mm. I spend a lot of time in many different amputee, you know, groups, pages, people, organ, you know, there's lots of organizations that, yes. you know, commiserate and there's lots of sort of chatter going on online. I know there's a lot of amputees that sort of find a home. With social media, yes. that's their place. Yes. Um, as far as what I am, I guess, sort of a spectator of, on the one hand, I see amputees thriving. I see amputees doing active things. I see amputees, you know, whether they're engaging uh, athletically, whether they're engaging professionally. Yes. But they're in my opinion, they're really like kind of superstars. I mean, they're doing some really cool stuff, but then there is this other camp. And I think where I struggle is in that camp because I do see very much in the amputee community, this sector of negativity, this yes. sort of dark negative and you know, I'm I'm gonna get some hate email over this, but um, it's like a pity party. It's yes, it's a why me, poor me. I don't know how to do this. You know, my prosthetist sucks, and you know, <laughs> no no one's helping me. And 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 I'm not saying that that struggle is not real, because no, it's real. We 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 we've all been through it. I I would I would never ask. Uh, I would I would never say these things unless I was an amputee myself. That's right. And I know that that struggle is there. But I mean from from where you're sitting, you know, mm -hmm. how do you see all of those interactions? What what's your what's your observation? Well, I'm in a lot of groups as well and and I and, I, and you 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 nailed it. The interaction I see is there there is a lot of people um that throw out the pity that throw out, Hey, I can't do this. But, and I think the camp that you're talking about is, is larger than the camp that there's a lot of empties that have excelled and, you know, a lot of things I I'm friends with, you know, some, some great, you know, athletes now, para athletes and, and just so many people, but that's why I wrote impossible was for the other camp. Yes, it's to help every amputee, but it was really directed toward the camp of the people who are struggling emotionally, physically, and have and are, want to get over that, you know, pity party. It's okay to have a pity party, but just just don't keep the party going every day. <laughs> you got to get past it, right? Yeah. Eventually, you got to put the you know put the party down. And um, and I know I don't want again. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I I've, I've been there. I've I, I live it. I live it every single day. I know that, that sometimes you can get so down. You're like, I just, I just can't do this. I just can't, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired of having to get my leg on and off, you know, especially you, when you're Don't sick. you feel like there's days that are just, it, it, it's a lot. It's in the loss column. It's like, it's loss column. I hate to keep Absolutely. using the sports analogy, but it's like, no, it's, yeah, you it's don't great. win every game. And no. I see every day as an opportunity to win and there are going to be days that close as a loss and That's recognizing, exactly right. yeah, recognizing like, Hey, today was not my day. 
But you yeah, know what? Today's a good day. Yeah, yeah, here's the gift of life is that tomorrow is another chance. That's right. Another chance exactly to try. Right. Another chance to do better. Another chance yeah. to try to put my prosthesis on. Okay? And I, I, I really feel like so often some of those people will seek out, I guess, an echo chamber so they can just yes. sort of exist in that very negative yeah. place. I, I had uh, I had done an interview with a, a, an amputee recently who was accused of toxic positivity. Mm. He was told that he was too positive. And I've really had, have had to spend some time processing that. Yeah, I, I get that. I see that. Uh, I understand that completely because there's, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're, go ahead. There's, there are, I mean, there are those who, I mean, that love to live in that space because when you're in that space, it's a safe place. Even if it's a, even if it's a negative place, it's a safe place in that person's mind. Yeah. And the way if often you can get comfortable in that space, even if it's a negative dark space, you can get comfortable there because you're, you're afraid to move forward. You're afraid to move forward and get out of that space because you're, again, it goes, falls right back to while, while we're here, the book, it's about not knowing what to do and moving forward through the dark. And it's some, these people, a lot of people stay in that space. And my advice is to, no matter how comfortable it is, if you want to move forward with your life, feel better. You have to go through the dark to get. Yeah. And every single day as an amputee, yes, it is a journey and it's, it, there, you're going to, you're going to fail some days. There's going to be days you're not going to, it's just not going to be your day. You're going to be, you're down. You just have to just embrace it. Say, okay, today was, wasn't it. And I'm going to just, you know, rest and compose myself and get back on the horse again. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, have- and your book is, is certainly a testament to finding your best self and, you know, Thank doing, you. doing, uh, what seems to be the impossible. And I, I very much appreciate that. Um, I want to pivot away from all this really heavy stuff, Jeff. Yeah, it'd be great. We're going to talk, we're going to talk about music, oh, uh, be- before we close out the show. Um, being a fellow musician, of course, seeing you in that musical space <laughs> got me, you know, very interested in what you're doing and, you know, uh, what's this guy all about, man? Like, um, I was very entertained by, uh, you know, just your, your creativity. And I mean, it makes sense. You're a writer. So of course, well, yeah, of course he's a musician, you know? Uh, but I mean, tell me about music. Tell me about, you know, when did music enter your life? Were you a, were you a childhood musician or was it just something that developed over time or kind of discuss that with me? Yeah. Thank you for so much for, I, it's been a long time since someone's asked me about music. Yeah. I was, uh, I, I've been playing, I play, started playing guitar when I was six years old. Hmm. Literally. I, I started my, my mother said all I ever wanted a guitar in my hand, little toy guitars that cranked. It didn't matter as long as it had a neck and strings, it was all good. For and I remember that. I remember that's all I wanted to do. And so I, Pursued music um, throughout my teenage years. I taught myself how to play. 
uh, then I then I went to college and studied music. I was going to be a teacher. Wow. And I ended up being ended up be, being chosen to be in a group, a band that uh, ended up going on tour and touring the country. And so I toured the U.S. and then I ended up um, we moved to Los Angeles, California in 1980. I think it was 85, 86. And we and uh, I just pursued music. We we played Hollywood, Sunset Strip, uh, got signed to a small record label, produced some records. We were really, you know, it was just one of those things that um, I went after that. And I have no regrets. You know, we didn't make it, but we came close. Uh, we gave it all we had. We gave we gave up everything and moved. And uh, but I still play music every single day. I still, if you were to see my guitars to the left, I have guitars hanging there. Um, I love music. I love guitars. I love creating. And and honestly, the creativity that I have that I possess is probably my, my most valued asset because and trait. Um, I use it in my writing. The the ghostwriting aspect when I'm working for an author and. Um, writing for an author to be able to capture an author's voice, it takes that creativity. It takes that being able to, you know, just like I can hear a song and just play it. I can, I can visualize the chords and just hear it and play it. That's how I won my wife over, by the way. <laughs> my first date, I was playing music for her and just playing every song she could give me. But anyway, um, but as um, I use that creativity, that into whatever it is that that I, I dive into to be able to capture that author's voice. I'm able to picture the author in my head, hear their voice, study their diction, their, their, to, their, their tone, their style, and put it onto the page. And, um, and this career, this from, from my amputation, you know, I've written books for celebrities now. I've written, um, it's been amazing. And musicians, you know, guitarists, I've written for these, these Didn't people. Didn't you write a book life. for uh, Al Miola? Al Miola, yes, yes, sir. That's incredible. Thank you. I'm a huge um, fan, by the way, of his work. Al Miola, yeah, he's. I, I have followed him my entire life, and um, it it all just kind of happened. And I've I've been working with Al now. The book is finished. Um, it's uh, it's going to be published here in 23. And I worked with him for about two years, and wow. was able to get. And I'm allowed to say that as a ghostwriter because he's published it on his page that he's worked with me. Normally, as a ghostwriter, there's a lot of confidentiality, but he he he's allowed me to do that, and um, which is really great, uh, gracious. Um, but he uh, worked with him two years. Just a wonderful guy, very very warm, down to earth, and um, uh, he's invited me into his homes. It's been great. I've met his family, and uh, we're now he Al Demiola texts me. We we talk a lot. We became friends, and that's what happens in these collaborations. You know, the it's always the author and I because we're work, you know so close knit together that we're able to forge, forge these relationships. I've um, always seen I've always seen music as sort of it's it's almost my mode of comparison when you talk about rhythm and you know things in life that are assembled in a certain way where they feel right. And to me, it's, it's always about life has to be the perfect song. You know, it has, it has to have the right melody. It has to have the right tempo. It has to have the right, right, you know, composition, so to speak. And, you know, I became a drummer at, at very similar to your story at five years old. And 
Wow. It's been a part it's been a part of me my entire life. My my father was a, a rhythm and blues sax player and I I took to music very very young, was always around music in the house. Yes. And it's something that I do to this day. And good for you. Yeah, the bit the big thing for me with with losing, you know, my right leg was well, being a drummer, you know, your your right foot is is very very active. Absolutely. It, you know, you could you could strike a kick drum, you know, a few thousand times in the course of a of a of a performance. Yeah. And so much of it was getting getting to know my instrument and learning how to play it again. Right. In in a lot of ways, it was tremendously challenging, but also served as again affirmation about I can do this. Like there's nothing that I can't do. Someone would say, well, okay, your drumming days are over. You know, you lost part of your body. How are you going to, how are you going right. to do this? And it was, it was something that I felt so passionate about. And because it was part of me, it would be like someone saying, well, you lost a limb. So now you can't breathe. Sorry. Right. <laughs> like, how, right. well, how am I going to live if I can't breathe? That's well, exactly right. I'm sorry, you're just not going to be able to breathe. So, looking at a situation like that was, well, no, I'm I'm going to continue my passion for music and that's not going to change. I'm going to keep doing it. So, when I see someone like yourself going through what you've been through and even knowing more now that guitar playing, songwriting, performing has been a part of your life, you know, throughout the entire course of your life is, is, is wonderful. And I, I very much see music as a therapy also. Every single day. If you, if you don't play music, that's fine. I always say at least embrace music as a form of therapy, you know, find music that, that gives you joy, that, that brings you hope. And, you know, uh, you know, I'm happy to create a playlist for anybody. You right. know, <laughs> yes. if you say, "Hey, yeah. I'm I'm just looking for, you know, 15 really solid inspirational songs to listen to," you know, while I'm going to physical therapy, I'm right. like, "Okay, that's no problem. I'll take care of that for you." Exactly. Um, and and I, I I believe sharing music is is uh, is a beautiful thing. You know, when when I when I have an opportunity to to share those ideas, you know, with others. It's, it's a wonderful thing. It really is. It's like, you know, I've been, I've been sharing music with my, my girlfriend, Sarah, her son, and it's been so much fun just kind of pinging back and forth, different songs, different ideas, and then discussing that. And of course he's, he's, you know, much, much younger than me. Sure. So for me, it's very much an education on, I mean, being cool again. Like, hey, I'm listening yeah. to like the cool music now. <laughs> right. <laughs> and this is what the young people listen to. So to embrace that, I think is it's such a it's such a connection point with people. So I think yes. it's really important. What would you um what would you want to say in closing to the amputee community out there? Uh, before I say that, I want to tell you as a drummer, you know, when I was writing the book, I'd actually, I'd actually spoken to uh, Rick Allen from Def Leppard 
about talk about someone I'd love to interview right there. Yeah, he's Rick's a great guy, but he's very kind of he's very kind of private. I was only reason I got to speak to him briefly. A friend of mine named Todd Waits. Todd Waits is a fantastic keyboard player, and he lost his arm when he was seven years old to cancer. Mm. And he became a, a world world. He's a just a fantastic keyboardist who's played with everyone from Bon Jovi to you name it. And Todd is Todd and I are great friends. And he endorsed the book as well. But he he knew Rick and uh, introduced me. And uh, but reason I said that, I mean, let's look at Rick Allen as a drummer. I mean, he could have gave up. Absolutely. His whole band could have given up on him. And they did. But they did. They, they waited. And he was able to adjust himself uh, and reconfigure his drum kit so he could play without his arm. Absolutely. And, he said, I still, have, I still have three limbs, so I'm going to figure out a way to, yes. cre- to create these rhythms with the limbs that I have left. Exactly. It was an amazing story, and it still amazes me because and what I get out, again, Def Leppard, the band, could have just moved on. They could have gotten another drummer, but no, instead, they waited on their brother. Yep. And that's as a testament to uh, friendship and bonds and relationships. And that's why anyone listening, these your relationships with your spouse, your friend, your family, your friends is, is just as important to sue for them to support you and you to support them as an entity, help them help you. Um, so, but in closing, your question was Rick again, apology. Just, you know, what would you want to say in closing to the amputee community out there? You know, what, what is, what is something that you'd like to leave them with today? Um, this is to the amputee community and groups out there. Um, my advice is to, again, understand yourself, get to know who you are and how you can help yourself when it comes to uh, medicine, diabetes, whatever, you know, if you, whatever's going on with your, with you and your personal situation, understand yourself and truly, you know, keep, striving to understand yourself. Every day for me, I'm learning something new about myself that I didn't know yesterday. And if you do that, and once you under, start to have at least come to terms with who you are and what's going on in your life and the situation, you can help others around you and it makes your life better. And if you're in this a dark spot, if you're in a, in a position where you don't see where your life can get any better, um, my advice to you is it can. It has to be in your mind. It has to be in your heart. You just have to go for it. You have to find it. You can't sit idle. Sitting idle will cease everything. So understand yourself and and then also get going. Move forward. Get out of that dark spot. Do your best to get out of it. Do something different that you haven't done. Visit somewhere that you've never visited. Do something that you normally would have never done even before you're an amputee, try to do something that you can do with your with your limbs. And again, talk to others, be open, be transparent, and things will work out. That was my smile. That's amazing. Those are powerful words. This is Jeffrey Mangus. The book is called Ampossible. I want to thank you, sir, for being here today. Uh, Thank you, Rick. Fantastic uh, stuff for people to really be checking out. Please, please check out his book. My name is Rick Bonkowski. That's going to wrap it up for us today. This is the Amped Up to 11 podcast, and I want to wish everyone health and happiness. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.